Dave Jackson, podcaster, School of Podcasting founder, and a bit of a shred guitar monster, actually, just quietly. Welcome to Dead Set <laughs> Podcasting. Okay. Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to uh, glad to be here. So Dave and I just worked out before the call. We hadn't actually spoken quote unquote face to face via the internet for probably about three years. So I remember last time we organised a call, Dave. Sorry, previous to that, I think I'd cancelled one because I fell asleep or I was sick or something. This was years ago, and then in December. I think you were asleep during our call, yeah. and I looked back at that email. I thought, that's probably the funniest apology I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate that. Anytime I ever have something where I'm going to get up early, it's I need to set an alarm like somewhere where I have to get out of bed to do it or whatever happened, Or, but it's that's a, that's a tough gig. I know it's early there for you now, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just funny when you get to know people. You can just see things as, yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm getting to, I'm getting into my later thirties now, and I always have to go for the afternoon or evening sleep, whether I want to or not. Just a random nap. <laughs> and it's it's getting annoying now because it used to be kind of cute, and <laughs> and now it's like if I eat, I usually don't eat in the living room, but I'll eat in the kitchen. But if I sit down and eat a, a decent sized meal. And the TV's on. I'm out. Like, give me five minutes, and I am out. I'll wake up, and if you're watching Netflix, you're like, oh, crap! I just it just streamed through two episodes. I got to go back and and watch them. It, it drives you crazy. Yes. So, don't fret, guys. We're not here to talk about sleep and food. We're here to talk about <laughs> podcasting. So, Dave, I've almost thrown you under the bus there once already with the <laughs> falling asleep Sorry. thing. So I'm going to do it again quickly. So I've broken my own rule. Your new book. Profit from your podcast is the only book which I've only ever read once prior to speaking to someone. Normally, I read a book two or three times because there's no audio book, Dave. So where, where that's the question we've all got is where is the audio book from the master of podcasting? Yeah, it's well, what's funny is I recorded two chapters of it and then I bought a new microphone and I was like, ah, now I got to re-record the first two chapters. And then it, there, there's good news and bad news here. The bad news is it's probably not going to be around for at least another two months. I'm I'm in the process of moving the School of Podcasting to a new platform, and that turned out to be a much, much, much larger just project than I, I thought. And I was like, well, I'll do that as soon as I'm done with this. And then I just got distracted. But the good news is that there are things that aren't in the book that I can now add as like bonus content for the the audiobook because the whole value for value thing and streaming satoshis that wasn't really a, a you know something that was in place yet and so i'll be talking about that when i do the the audiobook but it was uh because at the time i i wrote it right before covid and then the editors i got passed to like four different editors at the company of the publisher and so it just took forever to come out so it was one of those things where once it came out and then I've been sitting on doing this audiobook so that it'll be a little bit of time have passed since the book has come out, that the audiobook will come out. And so, yeah, that's the, the bad news is it's taking forever. And duh, Dave, you're a podcast. People would, uh, I fought with my publisher to, I own 100% of the audio rights of the audiobook because I knew people would want to listen and I haven't done anything with it yet. So yeah, shame on me for that. Okay. So... You just mentioned in there a couple of words like shitoshis or satoshis and 
Yeah. Not Shitoshis, I should probably rephrase that. Satoshis. And that was probably a little alien to people and aren't familiar with that. We won't go down that particular avenue right. now, Dave. What I did want to ask you with the book, Profit from Your Podcast, what is the the chapter or topic that you've had the most unexpected feedback about? Because when people hear that, they might think, oh, is that just a book about money? When really it's about profiting in many different ways from making a podcast and putting it out to the world. Was there any unexpected feedback from people? The, the feedback that I get the most about isn't about kind of one part or that is there. They just love the fact that it's not me spewing an opinion. It's like, hey, let's talk about Patreon. Let's talk about crowdfunding. Here's how Jonathan Oakes from Trivial Warfare is using it. And here's some pros and cons that he's found. Or, you know, I have I interviewed a ton of people for the book. So it's here's the concept. Here's why it works. Or here's some things to consider. And here's an example of somebody who did this. And and some of those I didn't know. Uh, the one guy that does the, it's kind of a global warming podcast, and he ended up sliding underneath somebody else's uh, nonprofit so that he could be a nonprofit. I didn't even know that was an option. And so he has a deal where people can donate to his nonprofit, and he ends up getting the money on a debit card. And it all happens through this kind of umbrella nonprofit. That was one that people like, I didn't even know that existed. I go, neither did I. And all I did was I, I put out the call. I said, look, if you're making a dime with your podcast, I want to talk to you. So I talked to a, a lot of people about this and, and found different strategies and things that people were using that I'd never heard of. Yeah. So I've got like a Mount Rushmore of podcasting books. And even that's probably not the most apt analogy because I don't actually believe that there's enough great podcasting books to even fill out about Rushmore, but your your book's going to be on there, Dave, as soon as the audio book comes out, just to round off that conversation <laughs> because just from my perspective, I went in expecting one kind of book mm. and it was almost like a research tome and just the amount of interviews and research and I'm not just speculating about something that might work. Here's an example of it working and here's an example of where maybe it didn't work perfectly, but they found an alternate version of the same thing. That's something I wasn't expecting from the book that you weren't just giving the one example of something working out of a bunch of potential failures. There was more than one example for each thing predominantly because that's always easy in podcasting when you're giving an example is to pick Going back to value for value for a sec, if we were to say, oh, value for value is the future because no agenda do it. Well, if they were the only show that had ever made it work, they're more the outlier than the example, I would say. But there are many shows making value for value work. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, and I'm constantly trying new things. I'm doing a thing right now that isn't in the book, and that's where if you have a, a product that you like and they have an affiliate program, there are all sorts of tools that you can make courses now. And so I have a course now. There's a a tool for podcasters called PodPage. And I made a course on how to, it's super easy to use. You don't need a course, but I made one anyway. And in the course, it's like, if you decide to use this product, because it there's a free trial, it's like, please order through that link. And that link is my affiliate link. And I'm not going to retire on that money, but it's one of those, when the checks come in, I'm like, Oh, well, that's very nice to see. And so the only 
kind of investment was the time to make the courses. And then in this case, I'm using Thinkific for the the course, but I could have easily put this on something. There are tons of course platforms that I could have used for free. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm always like, oh, let's see what happens if I do this, if I try that. And and sometimes they work and sometimes they just blow up in your face, but you don't know unless you try. You're like basically the crash test dummy, aren't you, for a lot of this stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There there are times when you try something and you're like, mm, that, that didn't work. And then, like I said, there are other times when you're like, well, hello, Mr. Commission Check. That's nice to see you. So, yeah. So I did want to get onto a big experiment that you did a couple of years ago with a show called History of Six Shooter. That's one thing I wanted mm-hmm. to focus on today because I haven't heard you talk about that much in public really at all. But before that, I wanted to go through something I just saw you post online. And it's essentially something I've heard you say in different ways a lot of times over the years. But today I want to dig in to not what you're saying, but how you would propose that we go about doing this stuff. So this is the Dave Jackson, how to build an audience checklist, I'm calling it. So I'll run down the checklist quickly, and then maybe Dave and I can go through each part. So number one, identify your audience. Number two, determine what content they might want and make that for them. Number three, focus on trying to make that content so great that that person or that group of people feels inspired to share it with other people. Number four, go to where your audience lives online and embrace those people or offline if it's a conference or a sports team or whatever. And number five, keep telling people about your show and don't be an annoying dickhead. So that's the Australian version of number five. (laughs) (laughs) So I've just shortened maybe some of your things there, Dave, and just kind of condensed them. But can we start with number one? Because I think that's the one that I have the most issue with and not an issue with you saying it, but an issue with actually doing it as a podcaster. Sure. How do we ident- how do we identify our audience? How do we not exclude people by accident? Because my old progressive rock band used to exclude a lot of hard rock fans because they weren't prog fans. We just excluded those people even though they liked us too. How do we identify our audience? How do we make the choice of oh, maybe there's more audiences for me, not just them? Yeah, it it kind of comes back to why? Why am I doing this podcast and who is it for? Which is, again, kind of identifying people. And so there are a lot of different ways you can kind of narrow down your audience. You could say, all right, this is a podcast about podcasters in Ohio. So now I'm going to do, you know, there's a, I'm going to throw in that Ohio circle. So sorry if you're in the UK or if you're in someplace else in the US. Nope, this is for that. So that's a way to niche down to where people will hear that and go, oh, that's me. I, I'm, I might listen to that show or you can narrow it down by, let's say I want to do a show about being more confident, right? We all need to be more confident. So that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to do a show about being more confident. So everybody can listen to that because we all need to be more confident. But what if I say how to be a more confident parent? Oh, now, okay. Yeah, that's good. Now I'm not a parent, but other parents might go, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. This thing didn't come with a, a manual. And then if I go, all right, but what if I go how to be a more confident first-time parent? Well, now I just cut a ton of people out because we've got three kids. But if it's a first-time parent, that person might go, yeah, I'm I'm brand, I have no idea what's going on. And then if I say, well, what about how to be a more confident first-time interracial parent? Okay, now I just cut out a ton of people. But the people that are left are going to go, 
Yeah, because there's some things we need to talk about that not everybody needs to talk about. So there are all sorts of, it could be age, right? I could be, I could do a weight loss show, but I could do a weight loss show for people over 50. I could do a weight loss show for people over 50 that are men. You know, depending on, there are all sorts of different ways, whether it's region, race, age, you know, all sorts of different ways. And you go, well, how how far do I niche down? Well, who are you trying to reach and who is this for and why are you doing this? So the why can help dictate the who in some cases. I did a podcast for musicians and the goal was to sell my book. Well, in the end, that didn't make any sense because musicians had no money, zero. Mm. So, or if I if the goal is to make money, I'm not going to target college kids because in the U.S., college kids have their their parents might have some money, but they don't. And so it it kind of depends on who is it for and what is the goal of the podcast. Will then say, oh, this is for this kind of person and that kind of person, and and go from there. And then. In some cases, do I have to niche down? But if if I say I'm doing something kind of technical, like, I don't know, podcasting, and I, I, I decide to make it uh, podcasting for boomers. So you got to be whatever, 55 and up or something like that. Okay. Now, the people that join there probably all might have a, a little bit of fear about technology and, oh, me and technology don't get along, that kind of thing. But if you have a group of people now, now they don't feel quite so isolated. They don't feel... Uh, so stupid, like, oh, these young kids all get, you know. So when you kind of niche down, you end up with a group of people that can identify with each other. And it, it kind of boils down to, okay, well, why are you doing this? And who is it for? And what do they want to hear? And then hopefully you can get those all to to line up. Okay, that's a really good answer. But it leaves me ask, wondering, sorry, one thing, Dave. How do you know that that audience even is a podcast listening audience and once you've identified that person or that group of people how does one go about actually finding out if the type of content that you're going to be producing let's say an audio format podcast is even something that they would know how to find even if it did exist yeah that's a great question because in some cases especially if you're getting into you know people who maybe not as young as they used to be. They're not well known. You know, if I'm trying to hit, reach the 60 year old market, that could be kind of tough. But on the other hand, don't undersell them. But that those kind of people, or if you just have, I don't know, a busy mom podcast, may not have a lot of time to listen to a podcast. So that's where the the tough part is. Then you have to put on your education hat. So what I'm doing tomorrow is there's a big downtown festival in downtown Akron. And I started doing an Akron, Ohio podcast because I wanted to play in the local kind of nobody else is talking about this kind of arena. And so I have a bunch of business cards that say akronpodcast.com on them. There's a QR code on the back that they can scan if they got a phone. And I'm going to go down and say, I'm Dave from the Akron podcast. You know, what's your favorite part of living in Akron? What would you like to hear in a podcast? Uh, because we don't really talk sports. I'm just not, it's most of our teams here aren't that good is the other thing. You know, we're not going to talk about the weather because you just put your hand out the window. You'll figure that out. So we're, <laughs> we're trying to cover those things that aren't being covered. Like the fact that there's a local barbershop that you can donate bras and the bras go to a, a battered women's shelter and you know, all this other, like, I didn't know that we have a little local theater there. I know the big theater, but there's another local theater. So it's, it's all hyper local. 
And so I'm just going to go where my audience is and I know they're out and about and I'm going to go talk to them. And I've been interviewing small business owners and I always give them a business card or let them know where it is. And, and it's painful right now. I think I get maybe 30 downloads an episode and I've been doing it about a couple months. I've, I've started and stopped it a few times. And every time I started it, COVID would hit. And I was like, well, that's the end of that. So when you get into a situation and you're not sure if these people listen to podcasts, then you have to go to where they are and go, oh, here, watch. If you ask Siri to play the blah, blah, blah show, she actually might do it in some cases. You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting. And for that, you're a Dead Set legend. If you wanted to show some support to the show, either in dollars or shares or positive vibes even, just head over to deadsetpodcasting.com slash support and show Josh some love. Alrighty, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, so that kind of covers off on a few of the others a little bit, but just to stick with your workflow here a little bit, Dave. So determine what content they want to hear. Essentially, we we can take somewhat educated guesses, but the best way is to try to find those people face-to-face and actually ask them. Yeah, there's that. And there are other ways too. You can go, one of my favorite ways is going to Amazon and typing in whatever your podcast is about. And then when you look at the comments, don't go for the five-star or one-star because usually it's either like, this is the best book ever, or this book was awful. There's not a lot of why, but if you look at like a a four-star or two-star, they'll be like, hey, I would have given this book one star, but it did talk about blank. And likewise, if it's a four star, it's like, you know, this is a really good, sh- uh, really good book. I was hoping they were going to talk about blah, 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 but they didn't. So sometimes you'll get a little more constructive feedback from the two star and four star. And then you can also go to YouTube. There's a lot of things you can do on YouTube. And, you know, again, type in whatever your podcast is about, find the top channel and then go to their channel. And I think you can sort videos based on popularity. So you can see what are the most popular topics that that podcast or that podcast that that YouTube channel is talking about that's also your topic. And then people can be absolutely brutal in the comments area on YouTube. So those are two places without going face-to-face that you can get some insights into that. And then obviously there's Facebook groups and Reddit and Quora and all sorts of places on the internet where you can see what questions people are asking. That one's a good one. I really like the YouTube thing. I don't think I've heard that before, but you have to be brave enough to go into the comments. Yeah. So that might then scare (laughs) some people because they're like, well, I don't want those people doing that to me. And I'm like, well, YouTube's its own little beast. You you won't get quite as much feedback on on an audio show than you will a YouTube channel. And I think the the format of a podcast allows you to expand upon some of the things that a lot of people would be complaining about in those YouTube comments that didn't get talked about. Right. Because that's half, that's half of what YouTube comments are. You talked about this, but you forgot about blah, blah, blah. Well, on a podcast, you have, just because of the type of listening experience, generally, you have a little bit more of an opportunity to cover off on more of that stuff. So you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but you've got create content that they hopefully will love and feel inspired to share. So I hear this mentioned a lot, Dave. Make a good show. Make sure your content's great or good or amazing. How do we as producers know that we're hitting that mark? 
that's hard, especially in, in podcasting, because there's no live feedback. It's not like a comedian that can say, man, I killed. Everybody was laughing. So it's it's a little tough. Uh, what I try to do is I did an experiment where I wrote down everything I watched, listened to, or read. And then I went back and said, why did I watch, read, or listen to that? And it came down to uh, that content either made me laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. So I then kind of try to combine some of those. Like I, there's a guy named John Oliver on HBO that has a show called um, Last Week Tonight. And he makes fun of, in some cases, stories that really should be mainstream. Like the U.S. is like got a water problem and nobody seems to care about it. And the, the government is just turning their back on it. And you're just like, what? And the whole time he's just poking fun at how stupid these people are. So he's making me laugh. He's educating me, but he's also kind of making me groan like, oh, this is, that's not good kind of thing. So that that's that. And then just a matter of, you can ask for feedback. Now, if you ask for feedback, you have to be specific. You can't say, so let me know what you think about the show. No, you can say something like, let's say we talked about, you know, microphones. You could say, hey, you know, send me an email, davidschoolofpodcasting.com. Let me know what microphone you use and tell me why you like it. Give them a specific question to answer. And that way they don't have to go, well, I'm not sure what this person's looking for. And the minute they email you, it's time for you to say, hey, thanks so much for, you know, sharing your thoughts and insights, whatever. What do you like about the show? What do you wish I wouldn't do? And I guess that's the other one is to do some sort of survey. And the thing that's just soul crushing about surveys is nobody takes them. So you'll have a hundred downloads. You ask somebody, Hey, can you fill out a survey? And you'll get three answers. And that's, you know, that's where some people will throw in, Oh, I'll pick a random person and we'll give you a $25 Amazon gift certificate. And some people are like, well, then they're not really doing it to help the show. They want the, Am- I'm look, I'll take anybody's opinion any way I can get it uh, as long as it's something and try to get some in, some feedback. And that's where you have to ask the hard questions. I had a a guy on my show that does a, a podcast called the Dark Knight Diaries. And he asked these really just soul crushing questions like, okay, I, I think he would actually give people an episode and say, hey, listen to this and then answer these questions. And the first question was, did you listen to the whole thing? The second one was, if you didn't listen to the whole thing, how far did you get? And then it was the third question was, why did you stop And then the fourth one was on a scale from one to 10, how likely are you to share this podcast with a friend? And he said, I graded it like I was in school. He goes, yeah, 70 is passing, but you want that A. So he goes, either I want a, you know, 90 or a hundred. He goes, I might take 80. He goes, but when we're talking about sharing the podcast, I don't want a 50 or a 45 or a 62. He goes, that's when it's time to go back to the the drawing board. So he created a survey that was probably at times a little hard to read when you, you know, somebody is honest and said, well, I I bailed it about the seven minute mark. I was bored. Well, okay. Mm. But on the other hand, you need that feedback because a lot of people now are taking kind of the the movie approach to growing their show. Because if you think about it, a, a movie, they spend millions of dollars on the movie they spend millions of dollars on getting people into the theater, and then they hope it's so good that that audience will go out and tell somebody that, hell, you need to go watch this movie. It's amazing. 
And so what's happening though, is those movies have screenings and they get feedback and they're like, oh, we need to change the ending or whatever. Well, podcasters aren't doing that because, and I understand why it, you know, you just spent 10 hours on an episode. The last thing you want to do is hear how it's not hitting the mark. But on the other hand, if you're later going to turn around and this kind of goes back to why am I doing this? Because if it's just, I just want to have fun with my friends, then maybe you don't care about this. But if you're trying to get new customers or whatever it is, then you need to worry about, is this connecting with my audience? And that's where you have to go back and go, hmm, they said it was too long. Or, you know, when I first did my first kind of survey, I was at an event and it was like 2006 or seven. I just started and I had some people that approached me and they said, hey, I listened to your show. I like it. I'm like, great. What would you like to hear me do in the future? And they all said the same thing, make it longer. And I was like, it's 20 minutes. And back then we all thought 20 minutes was the magic spot of podcasting. And they're like, yeah, but my, my commute's like 40 minutes. It, it needs to be longer. And I was like, okay, it's a lot of Dave. So <laughs> those are some things to, in terms of how do you know, you know, either a, uh, I just interviewed uh, a guy by the name, Glenn Hebert. He runs a network called the horse radio network. And I found out he actually has a group of people that listen to every show. They have a private Facebook group and they leave comments. And he said, it's interesting because there have been times when he's interviewed a guest and thought, yeah, it was okay. And the, the focus group is like, have that person back on. They were great. <laughs> and he said, and then there are other things he's done that he thought they were great. And the focus group was like, yeah, it was, it was all right. So you need people to give you honest feedback. And you can kind of do that by saying, this show is for you. I'm doing this show for you. So if you want it to be better, you know, you have to let me know if, if, if this was food and it's not salty enough, you'd have to let me know it needs more salt so I can add it. I'm not, not going to take it personal. I got an extra set of skin. Just let me know so I can make the best show for, for you. Just with basically going to these people, Dave, once you got an idea that the show's working, staying engaged with those people, because it's not just about finding them to begin with, it's about continuing to be around them as an audience and a potential audience. I like what you said earlier about actually physically going somewhere. And I know, particularly with the world the last couple of years, for us slightly introverted people, that might even be a scarier proposition than what it was previous to that. But I think that there's so much noise online that you can be somewhere for a very long time online and maybe not have the impact you could have in a couple of hours physically going somewhere and doing something. Because if nothing else, the people that you approach about the Akron podcast, they're going to know that this is a real thing because this guy's left his house to come and talk to us, which at the moment is not what not, not everybody would choose to do that. So you've automatically separated yourself a little bit in these people's minds as, hey, this isn't something that might happen. It's not something where I'm banking 50 episodes and it might come out one day. This is something that's real. It's happening. I'm here in front of you. Whether you're interested or not, that's a different thing, but I'd love to know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you're right. It is hard. I went to um, literally right down the street. We have this giant hill and there's a, a sport called Soapbox Derby. And it's a thing that kids do and they build these cars and race it down the hill. Well, kind of the Super Bowl of, of Soapbox Derby is in my backyard and it was happening. And I was like, you know what? I got a bunch of people from Akron down there. And so I went down and it, it was not easy for me. And finally I saw 
the the kids that were racing had special shirts. And I was like, oh, that would be a fun way to kind of get in. Let's let's find out what it's like to race down the hill. And so I just started my my recorder before I even got to the person. And I just said in my head, like, can I go ask that person, would you like to be on my podcast? In my head, I went, yes. And I went, okay, let's do it. And there's a part of me that kind of has to grab me and, and drag me over by the collar. But I said, would you like to be on my podcast? And of course, because it was like an 11-year-old kid, she's like, sure. It took me forever to get a parent to come on, but uh, she was fine. And it's just one of those things that you also find, like I did, I asked a parent, I'm like, hey, I would love to get a parent's view of what it's like to have a a kid that's in the race. And they're all like, no, no, not nope, not me. uh -uh." And so you realize that rejection is not, you just turn, you're like, okay, well, there's another you know, hundred people here, maybe somebody down there will say yes. So it's not the end of, wor- of the world. I've had extremely, like in, people that have drank way too much alcohol. I went to to one event and it was amazing because they're like, hey, dude, you know, and then you pull out a microphone and they run screaming. So that whole thing about human beings, you know, not liking to speak in public, uh, that's, that's for real. So uh, you know, so if you if you just want to talk to people, leave your microphone at home or turn it off. Uh, that might give you some some street cred. Maybe you're walking around with a microphone, but uh, yeah, that's part of rule number five. Don't be a dickhead. Yeah, you don't want to up, you don't want to upset people or pressure people when you're trying to. Yeah, essentially, you're you're asking for their energy to evaluate your podcast, so you don't want to be pushing them or pressuring them. Yeah, like it's yeah, you want to give them an easy out if they don't want to do it. Yeah, and so. One of the things I'm probably going to ask people is, do you get the newspaper? And the answer is going to be no, because nobody reads the newspaper anymore. And I'll say, where do you get your local news? And they'll probably say, you know, whatever, some sort of channel. And I'm like, you know, do you listen to podcasts? Have you ever heard about podcasting? Did you know that there's a local podcast that gives the local news? And if they go, no. And if they say, what's a podcast? Then I'll ask them to pull out their phone. And that's where you got to get your education on. But you just got to realize that that one person might go tell, you know, two or three other people if they like your show. And then so if I can find out what they want, you know, if they say, oh, I'd love to hear what's going on in the local sports world, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> but if that's what they want, you know, go from there. That's all great stuff, Dave. And the effort is the thing that I'm hearing. If you truly care about that group you're hoping to make a show for and you put some effort into them, you invest in them first in some way for a long time, or you just make, in your case, a physical effort to go do something that separates you from other people that may not do that, I think you're setting yourself up at least to find out, do these people like listening to podcasts? If nothing else, you're going to find that out. So, <laughs> Yeah, and in just the other thing I started doing was... I use a uh, website, it's in, and then the letter O, reader. So inoreader.com and typed in Akron, Ohio. And there were a ton of Facebook pages and all the local, the mayor's office, the all these different institutions inside Akron, Ohio had Facebook pages and I could basically follow them. So I log into one website and I can see all the stuff that's going on and what's happening and what's not happening and things like that. And so what I do now is when I put out an episode, I will put it out on Twitter and I will copy, you know, the mayor's office. Or if it's somebody I talked about, like I just did a thing on the local library is doing this thing where they they're handing out, you can say, I like this topic, they'll find books and then they'll throw in candy or something for the, for the kids, whatever, (laughs) trying to get them to to read through candy. But I copied the library to say, Hey, I'm talking about you. 
on this podcast, hoping that they will then share it with their audience to say, oh, hey, if you haven't heard about our our Lit and Loot program, here's the Akron podcast talking about it. So I'm trying to talk about what other people are. And then when I talk about them, I, you know, copy them on a tweet or Instagram or whatever's going on. I love it. Absolutely love it. The show History of Six Shooter, Mm. a little mini series about your country rock band that had piles of production, audio clips. It was your little masterpiece in my mind, and it's something I don't hear you talk about, maybe with enough pride, to be honest, because I think you did an amazing little show there. Tell me about making the show, but also why when you list off all the things you do that that show doesn't come up so much. Uh, It was... I forget what platform, it was a new one, a new media host had come up. And for a long time, I would try out every media host that that showed up or if somebody, I think at the time it was called Pippa and they've been bought by somebody else at this point. But there, there are so many media hosts now I can't keep up and I ran out of content. And so this came up, I had enough people ask me, hey, what do you think of this media host? And I was like, huh. I need content and I'm out of ideas. I've, I'm just done. And when I was in this band, I kept a word document, kind of a diary. And I was like, Oh, what if I just read that? And so that's where it came from. And I remember at the time I would let the band read it. I would let other people read it. And they're like, this is pretty funny. This is entertaining. It's behind the scenes. It's, and I was like, well, if it's kind of, some of it was boring, uh, definitely uh, in my head. Uh, but, I thought musicians will like this because it's kind of a um, spinal tap thing where it's behind the scenes and, you know, your your ex-wife is, you know, getting sick in the bathroom or whatever's going on. And so I just started doing that. And then I tried to, without rewriting it, because that was a case where, well, this is what I thought at the time, you know, I'm looking at it decades later, but I was like, how can I, if I can inject some storytelling into it to maybe shape it a little bit so it's not so boring. Uh, some of the ones about, hey, we had practice and we learned three songs. Like, okay, no no real drama there or anything like that. And I guess why I don't talk, I'm, um, hmm, I don't know. I guess it's just one of those where most of the time I'm trying to drive people to something podcasting, which will lead back to the school of podcasting. So yeah. uh, I yeah. think that's probably why, but uh I want to, I actually, my, uh, the lead singer of that band, uh, reached out to me on, uh, Facebook the one day and I was like, oh, I should, I should, cause we don't know where the bass player is. We kind of know where the keyboard player is. I wanted to do one more episode of a, where are they now? And I'm still trying to figure out where they are at this point. <laughs> I guess why I asked that Dave is that obviously you have all of the school of podcasting is what you're trying every to feed everything back to it some, mm-hmm. in some way. And that makes complete sense. But it's almost like you've got a little it's like almost like a resume of all of your podcasting skills and production and your ability to host and storytell all within a short series there. That's how I hear it. That's why I asked the question, because it's an encapsulation of everything that you're great at. I think the other thing was because right now I'm sure it's in Dropbox or something like that, but for the longest time that only existed in paper. Like that was a printed out thing and I couldn't find the digital version of it. 
And when I finally found the physical version of it, I was like, I want to record this so I don't lose it. And at the time, it, that was the other reason I was like, oh, I can test out this host and I can get this story into something that I don't accidentally set on fire or throw out or something like that. So that show is called History of Six Shooter, guys, and I would just advise if you're not planning on checking out any new podcasts anytime soon, I'd make a little room for that one because it was highly entertaining and very well produced. So, Yeah, it's the behind the scenes of a country band back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. It was fascinating, if nothing else, for me being in, here in Australia where country is still very popular, but it doesn't have the roots to whole regions of a country like it does but most of them are small towns and the outback and places where there's not a great swath of people country in your part of the world is the genre it is and this is really it touches when, millions of people so yeah and it was really taken off and you know the joys of going on after a male review a bunch of male strippers <clears throat> that was fun <laughs> so it's it's a fun little story that's how most of the audience probably feels about this podcast today. <laughs> a similar level of discomfort. Yeah. Right, Dave? So thank you so much. Just want to tell us where people can find you. And I'd like to just finish up asking, is there anything new coming with the School of Podcasting? Any new experiments on the way? Oh, great question. Yeah. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm moving platforms and as much as I know, so this is one of those where I know I'm never going to get my my audience, I have a private Facebook group, and I'm never going to get them completely out of Facebook. And I, I kind of get why we're all there, but I have a, uh, the platform I'm moving to has a built-in community. And what I want to do is, cause it's always open. You can come and, you know, do the courses on your own level. I'm going to start kind of trying to, to get groups of people to go through at the same time so that there's a little bit of a study group kind of aspect to it, a little peer pressure, maybe, oh, so-and-so's already got their first episode up. I got to get my artwork done. That's going to do. And then the other thing I've done, and and I will give my ex-wife credit for this, I really love coaching, like live coaching people. And what I want to do, and I'm not, I, I will always do that. People can always hire me to, to coach them, but I want to make the time I coach available to the members of the school of podcasting. So this kind of is something where instead of trying to grow my audience, why don't I just take better care of the audience that I have? And so one of the perks, and this is one of those things that doesn't scale. And that's actually one of the reasons why I like it. I was like, Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Let's do that. And that's going to be in the future. When you join the school of podcasting, you will have kind of unlimited one-on-one -on -one consulting. And so there are a couple apps I use where you can actually you, you leave me a message. You basically can text or video me. And if I'm awake, I will do that. And in some cases we will jump on zoom and actually do it live, but I'm really trying to make it so I can really make a deeper connection with my students. And in the past we've had group coaching, which is great. You'd get together at certain times and a bunch of us would get together and I'm trying to take that and just do it now. If, if you need one-on-one -on -one stuff, because group coaching is great, but you still have some people that are a little nervous asking questions in front of other people. So it's, uh, it's something I'm, I'm trying. So it's, it's weird. I'm trying to get people to go through as a group, but coach them one-on-one. -on -one. So that way you kind of get the, the best of both worlds, but that's, that's something I'm experimenting with. And that's uh, at school Excellent. So 
Dave Jackson. If nothing else, you should go check it, check out Dave's maybe on Instagram. I don't know if your Instagram has you playing guitar, but I'm, I don't it's think somewhere so. The, yeah. There'll be something on the podcast movement. Instagram, actually, sorry, Podfest, I think, might have Dave shredding away on guitar. So I'll attach an Instagram link to that video because I think people need to see you're not just the average guitar player. So that, that I think, is awesome. You're very, very good. So that's cool. School of Podcasting is a great website. I've been involved in that community on Facebook for a long time. I was contributing on Patreon, so maybe you just gave me a little bit of a... That was it. <laughs> A little bit of a handshake there, so I really appreciate that. I love the community, Dave, and thank you for all that you do. Thank you.